0: Welcome to this episode of the Future Champions Podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor and I'm actually in a coffee shop, Fonzie Abbott in Brisbane with the Queensland Reds legend and former Australian rugby union player, Chris Latham. Chris Latham, how are you today?
1: Very well, thank you. Obviously in my element in this posh coffee uh, establishment.
0: Yes, I've met you a few times and you seem to gravitate towards these groovy sort of coffee shops. Are you a bit of a coffee snob? like
1: to say I am, but... Um, well, certainly don't look the part, but I like a good coffee.
0: And I really wanted to chat to you today in a very sort of public arena with the real noise because we're going to talk about some really important moments in Australian or world sport that really speak to different people. You've chosen a uh, a, a moment in sport for 2021, uh, which is fantastic. But before we get onto that, for those people who are listening, you'll hear some noises. Uh, this is a very popular coffee shop. You'll hear some uh, banging. It's not a shotgun. It's actually the door opening and closing. Chris, there are a lot of people coming into this coffee shop today.
1: Yeah, very popular.
0: Yeah, very, very popular. Because you're here. Well, you know, I've I've tasted the coffee and I can tell you it's probably the coffee that's uh, bringing them into this uh, coffee shop. Let's get into it. You've chosen Keegan Palmer, 18 years old, representing Australia at the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, Why did you choose Keegan as your moment in sport for 2021? Yeah, I think
1: for me... You know, obviously, I don't follow skateboarding, or, or, nor can I even claim to even think that I could even ride one. But it's, it's more for for me as a ex sportsman, I guess, and as a coach, it's, it's more looking at the the individual himself and and the story that came with it that that made it amazing to me. Um, you know, obviously, watching the run and being an Australian um, cheering on the Olympics and and wanting to wanting to see success, it was one thing, but then. Once the story, the backstory came behind it all and and how it came about really typified for me the, I guess, what it means to be at at, at your peak and how you become to being the best. And then not only, you know, how that journey to becoming the best, but then how you hold your nerve or is there really any nerves at that age and and, and what is it that that creates nerves and, and what is it that. allows you not to have any um and you know for me that then just starts a whole lot of questions and, and and thinking about the performance and everything else about it and you know for me that certainly comes up as as a as an event um and as a result where i start to think that that you know that rates is probably any or if not the best win and there was a plenty of good a, a, and amazing stories and, and great wins um, in, in the Olympics and, and things like that but I don't know just an 18 year old kid that you know spends 14 years living in Australia um, learning to surf and, and skateboarding for fun but then just picks up and says obviously says to his parents that he wants to move back to America because that's where he's going to you know find his craft to, to become what he wants to become at, at, at such a young age and then that family to pick up and move uh, you know that that alone. You know I've moved a lot in my career, but when I made those big moves, um, you know, I, I I was already cemented. I already had, you know, my identity there. Um, you know, the biggest move I made when I was I didn't have an identity was I was a, 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 I guess, a shy country kid, just finished school, and I moved um, to to Sydney. But again, that wasn't that wasn't for an opportunity to be the best in rugby. That was just an opportunity to get a job. Um, and then when I got my first contract, I had an opportunity then to move to Queensland. You know, I mean, I was only moving twelve hundred k's or so away um, to then cement what was an op- what could have been an op- what was going to build the opportunity to become what I wanted to become. But to move on the other side of the world and uproot your whole family, um, siblings, um, parents with jobs, everything else that comes with it, yeah, just, again, just hits home and then, you know, to to obviously grind away in a a foreign country and then still have that desire to represent Australia, um, you know, really, that probably hits the, the, the heartstrings even more with the story.
0: Absolutely, and so I guess that that step and moving towards and chasing your dream—that's about courage, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's having that courage to take risks.
1: Yeah, and self belief. You know, um, I, I guess that's the—I guess that's the beauty of of being young when you're in sport—is you know you you haven't started to hear the noises, you haven't started to hear the you know the head the head doesn't start talking to you at, at those stages and. Um, and the outside noise hasn't started about you. So I, I guess for him moving in and, and you know, the, the reports that you read and the commentators, you know, he was he was an unknown. He was an outsider. Um, you know, obviously moving in there from an Australian's point of view, from a skateboarding world point of view, he was our best um, chance of a medal in skateboarding. But from the Australian public, I dare say American public, um... You know, there wasn't that expectation on him. Um, but, yeah, but, again, I'm sure within the skating community he had some kind of expectation on him. People would have known of him or what he can do. Um, so there would have been that element of expectation.
0: Yeah, so with pressure, you talk about pressure from, say, a rugby union point of view, where you can make a mistake and work your way back into the game. Those technical sports of individual technical things like gymnastics or skating or those types of sports where you are focused, everyone focuses on you, but they also every single trick or thing you have to do is measured. If you make a mistake, you're gone, you've lost. Effectively, how hard would that be for an 18-year-old going into the world stage and have to get every single thing right?
1: Again, that, that just leads to, to why I think this is probably one of the greatest um, achievements and, and, uh, f- for the year. Um, and you're right. With those individual sports, you have to be on. You, you can't rely on anyone else. I mean, you know, with team sports, the whole makeup and and, and you rely on your mate, you rely on your brother, you rely on, on the person inside and outside of you to, you know, if you're not on for that second you rely on that person to pick you up and, and and to take that slack where, like you said, for him as an individual athlete, in that particular sport too where, uh, you know, I don't know the technical elements of it, but your degree, your margin in degree of, of difficulty and, and your margin of getting it right or wrong, I would say comes down to millimetres. I would say comes down to you know, a, a bleep of a speed, whether you're too quick or too, or too slow. Um, I don't think we're, you know, we're not talking a kilometre or, or, or a second. I think we're talking split seconds of whether or not you, you're too quick or too slow, whether or not your departure angle's right or wrong, whether or not you've put your hands or you're, or you're facing your eyes or you're turning your head in the, in the right direction at the right time to get the right amount of spin, to get the right amount of angle to, to land. You know, and all those little micro skills and, and micro moments have got to all come together perfectly for an entire run for you to post a score that's going to even remotely be close to getting a medal against the best in the world. And yet he goes and pulls it off in the first run <laughs> and then backs it up in the third. Yeah. So, um, so again, yeah, and, and, and again, that, that there starts you to think about what runs through a young kid's head, you know, before that, before that run. Is there anything running through his head or is he just like, well, you know what, i got nothing to lose here and I'm no, one, no one knows I'm meant to be here and I'm just going to go out and have some fun?
0: What surprised me is how joyful he was before the final, how happy he seemed on the outside. He was smiling, having a laugh with his mates, people he was competing against. And very similar, I guess, to Hussein Bolt, who was always jovial and happy, having fun. And then after the race, he was just ecstatic and happy. The joy to watch like the joy that he had was something to to really witness wasn't it well, I think
1: that's what makes great athletes great um, you know you, you there's a million athletes billion millions and millions of athletes around the world but there's not too many when you think about it that you hold to absolute greatness and and when you look at them and you think and you go across the, you know, their timeline of when they were and you watch them either perform or, or do whatever they do that they're good at, I think that's probably the one element that you see common through all of them is, it, is that they look like they enjoy what they do, they're having fun, it's what they want to be doing, you know. Um, they never look like it's a it's a task or they never look like it's something that then they're, they're not 100% invested in at that point and um, you know and he used that absolutely used it even after winning you know weeks months after it and all the interviews that I kept watching of him he just never seemed to lose that enthusiasm for that moment that moment of time was just etched and it just kept replaying and the enthusiasm was always at the same level you know he never 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 grew tired of talking about it And I think, you know, that again represents what being great is. When you want to be great and you want to get that great result, you need that element.
0: You've played for Australia in rugby union, but you've also been involved in coaching from a Japanese point of view and a Samoan point of view. Uh, How hard is it for a player that has allegiance to two countries to actually decide what country they're going to represent? Yeah, I I think,
1: you know, I've been very, very fortunate when I... um, was able to coach Samoa I mean you know the Samoan people are very very proud of their heritage very very proud of of um, where they've come from and and um, and, and their family and, and what their families had to endure and and, um, and their ancestry and, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and it's it's very uh, it lives very strong on a day-to-day basis and so I would it, it is and you see the struggles that they have you know, about seeing and, you know, wh- who do I put my allegiance to or, or you know, this group of people want to pay me for my craft here but then I have this over here which my heart is just totally committed and and, and wants to represent um, and I think we'll probably see the true realization of how difficult that really is now Australian rugby uh, well, sorry, no Australian rugby uh, world rugby have just approved to that today that um, you know a, a player that was was born and then put their allegiance to some other t- uh, some other country can now if they've retired from that country can now go back to their their country of, of birth and represent that now in, in rugby in a World Cup and for um, test matches so I think we'll really now start to see um, not only the difficulties, but also the emotions and the and the attachment of what representing your birth country actually really does mean. So um, yeah, it'll be an interesting time.
0: So to put it into context, what that means is if a player was playing for Australia or New Zealand, and then they decide now they can go back to their country of their origin. And play for that country.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so you know, like as it is now, you know, we've got a very multicultural team in Australia. Obviously, Australia being a multicultural country, you know, we've got obviously Fijians, Samoans, Tongans. Um, just they're they're just the three that come off the top of off the top of the mind. Um, you know, the players like that could retire from Australian rugby and, and easily go and and uh, represent Samoa, Tonga, and, and Fiji.
0: So going back to Keegan and his sitting on top of the world at the moment in his sport, what advice would you give somebody who's achieved pretty much the pinnacle of their sport? How do you keep going? I've
1: I've always said this, and I, and it was a realisation that um, that no one ever told me this, and I and it wasn't an, it was experience that that I learnt it. The easy job is getting there. You think most people think the hard job is getting there, getting to the top, or getting to a place where you wanted to be. Uh, it's once you've got it, it's keeping that is the is the most difficult part. Um, you know, I, I say it to a players all the time. You know, you, they get so happy and so exuberant when they get their first contract, and you just say to them, "Listen, you thought you were working hard." to be able to achieve to get that contract hard work hasn't even started you haven't even put a blimp on what you need to do now to keep that um you know and and i would say you know my hat goes off to any anyone that has a longevity in any career any supporting in any sporting career um you know the the requirement of having to reinvent yourself motivate yourself um keep pushing those limits day in day out to 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 stay on top and to be the best um but then it comes back to the same question and and the and the same um thing we talked about just before about you know it becomes it becomes easier if you have that enjoyment if it's not a job if you're not doing it because you feel you have to be there or you're not doing it because for the money everyone has their motivation some people may do it for a long time for the money That that's their motivation there's nothing against that but I think to fully have that longevity you know you've got to love to be able want to work hard so here we go this isn't a victory run for Keegan Palmer there are still four more skaters to drop but he is in gold medal position
0: 94.04 is a score that he set now he tries to better it for goal Oh!
1: Increasing the difficulties. He got that, oh, lovely, lovely nose
0: grind. Changed it up completely on that final run. That was absolutely superb. Already in gold medal position, but will this better the score of 95? 94.04 is the score to beat. Will it go better? Yes it will, 95.83, Keegan Palmer, gold medal position. But there you go, the gold medal has been confirmed. Keegan Palmer takes it from Australia, celebrations can begin, history's been made. It's Australia that take the first ever gold here in men's park skateboarding. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the future champions podcast top 10 of 2021 a big thank you to chris latham for sharing his top sporting moment keegan palmer skateboarder in the olympics in 2020 chris latham sat down with me for a really interesting interview on the future champions podcast if you want to listen look for episode two my name is Stuart taylor stay safe